Welcome to Truth Well Spoken, the official podcast for McCann Health and an opportunity to connect across disciplines, companies, and countries in our mutual pursuit of endless truth-seeking. I am your host, Alicia Harris, and for episode 22, as we near the holiday season, we are here to discuss the connection between the principles of Kwanzaa and how they relate to what we do every day at McCann Health. So again, I'm Alicia Harris. I'm Vice President, um, Associate Creative Director at McCann Health New Jersey. And also joining me from MHNJ is Star Sutton. And Star, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Hi, everyone. My name is Star Sutton. I'm one of the IT technicians here as well. So hello. So Star and I are joining you on behalf of the Black Employees Network. And Star, why don't you tell folks a little bit about what the Ben is all about? So Ben is an opportunity for us to get together to focus on leadership development and networking. We talk about the various objectives of being African-American in various diverse settings. We like to look for a culture of inclusion to have a better choice of Black talent. Awesome. Also joining us today from the Institute for the Development of Education in the Arts, or IDEA, are Cynthia Primus and David Goodman. My name is David Goodman. I'm the operations manager at IDEA. Cynthia and I, we've been working together providing arts education and arts empowerment for young people in the Camden area for over 25 years. I'm a professional actor. I've been an actor for 26 years, and I'm also a filmmaker. So that's a little bit about me. I'll turn it over to Cynthia. Thank you so much, David. I founded IDEA over 25 years ago, and the organization itself is an arts education, creative learning organization that connects underserved youth in our community to the life-affirming quality of the arts. We're excited about this opportunity to work with McCann, and I think today is going to be very enlightening. Excellent. So I'll ask you both, what do you see as value in the arts for young people? Why is creativity, why are the arts so important? I think that arts really connect to the heart of people. It allows our children to be much more creative and able to solve problems because in the arts, you get an opportunity to work together, to create together. It promotes sort of self-esteem and self-expression. It gives our kids the opportunity to develop, you know, the ability to work hand in hand with other people. There's so much that happens when our children are connected to the arts. They find themselves. They're able to tap into their creative spirit. They're able to really begin to understand what community means. The arts have a powerful influence in our youth and our children. And so, you know, we feel that because these kinds of benefits really connect to our children who in many ways don't have the ability to change the environment that's around them. And so giving them the arts contributes to more self-control, more development of the self, more opportunity for them to be better at their academics. And so we just felt like the arts, you know, particularly in communities like Camden, 
is such a powerful form of expression for our children. Cynthia is so right. She hit the nail right on the head. And from a personal perspective, I just want to share, as an artist, when in 2020, after George Floyd was killed, I struggled as a Black man how I wanted to respond. You know, I was angry. I was upset. Quite frankly, I felt like breaking some stuff too. But I knew that that wasn't a way to create value. But I'm so appreciative that as an artist and as a filmmaker, I had a means to channel that and, if anything, make a determination that through the arts, through my skills as an artist, as a filmmaker, I'm going to use that to create change. That experience, I feel, is something that, like Cynthia was saying, we want all our young people. Because in today's society, young people are struggling. The data shows that kids are buckling under the pressure. But we find that the healing qualities of the arts, Mm -hmm. the empowering qualities of the arts, offer a way for our young people to grasp hope and, more importantly, to be able to see what the future can look like through their own eyes, through their own dreams, and through having this vehicle of the arts to manifest them. So the arts are very powerful and very relevant. What a powerful statement and thinking about how much creativity impacts the community. So, guys, the holidays are here. From December 26th to January 1st of 2023, the African-American community will be celebrating Kwanzaa. And one of the things that we wanted to talk about today would be how Kwanzaa impacts us overall as a community, but also how it plays a role in what we do here every day at McCann. I know that we have a couple of experts on the line, and Cynthia and David, why don't you introduce us to Zach and Arthur? Zach is a doctoral candidate at the Charles Bloxon Museum, and he is very much astute in the subject matter today. So I've invited him to enlighten everyone about these principles, and I think you'll really learn something today from him. Arthur is one of the most talented and creative artists that's working with IDEA. Arthur, you want to talk about what you do? Sure. I am Arthur Leo Taylor. I'm an educator, artist, actor, dancer, choreographer, director, playwright, a little bit of everything. And as one of my students identified to me, an activist. I'm an educator in the Pleasantville school system. I've been here for several years. I taught in Camden for several years as well. And what I bring to the table is community. A lot of research and history that I've done as it relates to African-American culture. My teacher class here at the school called African-American Arts and Entertainment, I just finished it a few minutes ago. It's important for me to have anyone who wants to learn about our culture from a standpoint of an artist, because we hear so much political things and other things all the time. But I look at our collective work, you know, if you will, as artists here on this place we call America. So I'll jump in. My name is Zach Brooks. I'm a PhD candidate at the Department of Africology and African-American Studies at Temple. And I also work as a project archivist at the Charles L. Bloxon Afro-American Collection, Mm. which is a special collection in Temple's library system with a particular focus on the place of African people in world history, in particular, African-Americans within American history. We're a broad collection. 
And I'm happy to be here with you guys today to share a little bit about Kwanzaa. Wonderful. So, Zach, I'm going to ask you, what is Kwanzaa for those who are unfamiliar with the holiday? Kwanzaa is a cultural holiday that was created by a noted scholar named Milana Karenga. And he was a community activist at the time. So essentially, Milana Karenga was looking at what the plight of African-Americans in this country has been as a result of the history of enslavement, the history of segregation, and the history of discrimination and marginalization of African-Americans in this country. And basically, the conclusion he comes to is that African-Americans have a cultural crisis where we face a problem of identity. So the way Milana Karengo went about addressing this problem was to produce a holiday that would allow African-Americans to join in with other groups of African people in celebrating the profound greatness of Africa's history and culture, but also by reaffirming uh, African-Americans' connection to our continental homeland, our motherland you know, Africa. So it's basically the time of the year where people get together and they basically try to reaffirm their principles, their commitment to their own people and the pride in their heritage that, you know, for many African-Americans have been distanced from or have been removed from the knowledge of our history and our culture. So it's just a time for us to resaturate ourselves, to immerse ourselves and to learn more about ourselves and our own history and culture as we celebrate. You described it so eloquently just by saying that there are seven days that are involved. This time of year is my favorite time of year outside of Black History Month. And I really enjoy this time of year because I really get a chance to get out to the community because this holiday is about the Black community. So often we're praising and celebrating others This is our chance to celebrate ourselves and to reaffirm ourselves with these principles that kind of put us back on track as the new year is coming in. And so if we follow those principles, unity, self-determination, collective work and responsibility, cooperative economics, purpose, creativity and faith, and we hold true to those, we should find ourselves in a pretty good position to not only help ourselves, but to help our community. Our largest challenge is, in my opinion, self-loathing and self-hate. And so if we can overcome much of that by having our determination, by uniting ourselves and by appreciating the beautiful things that we bring to fruition here on this plane, I think it'll help our community out in the long run and we'll be in a much better place. Excellent. Excellent. And it was mentioned, the founder of Kwanzaa, the holiday originated, what, in 1966? So it's been over 50 years of celebration in the community. Can you tell us a little bit of the highlights of the Kwanzaa celebration? Like what's involved in celebrating Kwanzaa? You mentioned the principles, which we'll talk about each one individually, but what else makes up the Kwanzaa celebration? My dream is to one day go to a Kwanzaa celebration, to host a Kwanzaa celebration where I don't have to explain all of the particulars in terms of what's on the table and what have you like that. But until that time, 
you know, it has to be done. When you're at the Kwanzaa celebration, the whole idea of unity, um, you're there to light the candle or candles for that particular day. You're also there to celebrate in the culture, heritage, and history of African-American people from Africa all the way down through the Middle Passage and to today. So you're celebrating everything from the drumming in Africa in the village of a particular African dance, let's say Dundumba, all the way down to hip-hop and whatever music is played today. These are the things to celebrate. Anything that we have created uniquely as we are the youngest culture derived from the oldest culture on the face the earth. Anything that is uniquely us is to be celebrated as long as it is positive and it is wholesome and is great for our community. Yeah, to add some of the reasons that Dr. Karenga um, basically wanted to celebrate an African holiday is because he wanted to give people a time where we can come together as a community. But then he also understood that that time of the year, at the end of the year, following the winter solstice, is a special time of reverence. So it's a time to celebrate our relationship to the one God that we're all created by, and then everything else that is within creation. And then he says that the last two things are commemoration of our past and our history. And lastly, he says, it's a recommitment to our highest ideals, you know, to truth and justice and brotherhood, sisterhood, and the values that reaffirm those bonds between us and our community and our family members. That's really what the holiday is about. It's, it's supposed to be a reconsolidation of community. It's supposed to be a renewal of community. That's yeah. wonderful. And are there any misconceptions about Kwanzaa that we can address? Absolutely. Many people run away from it because they think it has something to do with religion. And religion is not involved in this at all. I mean, you can be any religion that you want to be. The idea is that our community is so multifaceted and that we are not a monolith. We have many ways that we celebrate the creator, but it's not about that. It's about us bringing ourselves together. So that's one of the main ones that I would point out. And to that point, part of Kwanzaa is a celebration of African people and black people defining ourselves. So Mm -hmm. it does a disservice to Kwanzaa to categorize it as a black version of any other holiday. Because I think that works fundamentally against the essence of what Kwanzaa is about in terms of self-definition. One of the things that Dr. Karinga is is quick to point out is that these first fruit celebrations, which is what Kwanzaa means, first fruit, goes all the way back to Egypt. And so when we look at it that way, anything that came after that is not nearly as important or doesn't hold water compared to something that was celebrated in the land of Egypt. So we know that for sure. For sure. So for all of our panelists, I do have a rapid fire question for you. In just a few words, can you tell me how Kwanzaa first entered your life? I'll go ahead and go first. It was an elementary school. I went to a school that was Afrocentric in nature for a short time. And that school made a big deal, actually, about celebrating Kwanzaa and teaching us the principles and what the holiday was all about. And as was said earlier, honoring the ancestors and looking forward to the future. But in addition, I've also participated in some community events as well that have celebrated Kwanzaa over the years. So I'll Ask Star first from McCann. Star, what was uh, your introduction to Kwanzaa? Mine is very similar to you, Alicia. 
Um, growing up in the Caribbean, we didn't really celebrate Kwanzaa as much because more of a cultural holiday. However, when I first moved to the United States, I went to school in New York City, and I got exposed to the Kwanzaa celebrations at one of my elementary schools there, and they were doing a big thing about it. And my teacher at the time, I always remember her, Mrs. Epps, shout out to PS92. Um, <laughs> she introduced me and explained to me the seven principles and she had us watch a movie in my fifth grade class and that got me exposure. So as I got older, I always remember acknowledging it from in high school and even in college, I went to Rutgers University. Are you Rara? We also had various like organizations who always made an input of doing one of the principles. So we always try to input it somewhere, somehow in my life. Cynthia, why don't you share with us? I can't remember exactly a particular time. My organization is over 25 years old. And in that process, I've had the pleasure of having artists like Arthur produce and put together Kwanzaa celebrations at my art center. I managed uh, Tondra Seat Black Box Theater for about 10 years. And during that time, we had so many celebrations with Kwanzaa. And every time I learned something new, you know, I was exposed to some amazing artists that were invited, whatever genre they were in, they contribute their creativity to the expression and to the definition of what Kwanzaa was all about. Awesome. Uh, David? You know, for me, it was a little more definitive about 20 years ago, actually. My wife and I, around this time, and her sister, who has since passed, wanted to start celebrating Kwanzaa with the family. And I mean, I was aware of Kwanzaa, was aware of the principles, but it wasn't something that I really celebrated. But we drove down to Atlanta with my wife's family and her sister was there. And this began this tradition for about eight or nine years where every year, right after Christmas, we drive down and stay through the new year, each day celebrating Kwanzaa, one of the uh, principles of Kwanzaa. And that was my introduction. And I just fell in love with the whole experience of the entire family gathering. Each day we would do something in accord with one of the principles. And it was just wonderful the idea of being with family and celebrating these principles. And since then, it's been something very dear to my heart. Wonderful. Mm -hmm. Arthur? My wife, uh, Shante Smith-Taylor, who was then Shante Smith, she invited me to come to the University of Arts to celebrate Kwanzaa. It was the first time they were celebrating. And so because I thought she was cute, <laughs> I just thought I was going to go. And so when I went, I really had an awakening it was a really great experience. She put everything together very well, and I was very impressed. And so she always reminds me of that every year, <laughs> by the way, because that's when we began courting. It literally was at the Kwanzaa celebration that we actually began courting. But that was how I was introduced to Kwanzaa. And now every year I'm like, Mr. Kwanzaa, I drive my family crazy with how many Kwanzaa celebrations we can attend in one year. So, <laughs> and that's great. And Zach, why don't you share with us how you were introduced to Kwanzaa? I guess I kind of always was exposed to Kwanzaa because I went to school in Piscataway, New Jersey. I just didn't celebrate it at home with my family. And, you know, even now my family doesn't really celebrate Kwanzaa. So I celebrate with my friends, but my mother has asked me to start celebrating in our home. And now that I live in New Jersey for now. 
So I, I've always kind of known about it. There's not really like a pivotal moment. Yeah, I, I don't know if I had like a aha moment. Gotcha. I mean, maybe later, maybe when I met Dr. Karenga, I've actually met Milana Karenga on oh. a couple different occasions. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, Wonderful. So he's, he's a pretty inspirational speaker. Yeah. So let's talk about each of the principles of Kwanzaa individually. I'll introduce the principle. So let's start with the principle of Umoja, which is unity. Zach, can you tell us about that principle? It's a key Swahili word for unity. And the definition that Milana Karenga provides us with is to strive for and maintain unity in the family, community, nation, and race. So... So he's saying we want unity among Black people at all levels. Excellent. And Star, how does that relate to your work here at McCann? Being an IT person, I work with multiple people at a different stage every day. I work for so much different people. So one thing is I make sure that I kind of treat everybody as a family. I don't treat anyone different. doesn't matter what role you are. I treat everyone equally and as how I want to be treated. My rule of thumb as growing up, my mom also treat those who you want to be treated and being part of being being seeing people who are similar skin color to mine i like to treat them and show them hey whatever different roles we are i'm always there for them they're always there for me we're here together my partner in crime at work is another black woman and being in it being a tech field there's not a lot of females or black women period in stem so that is something that we try to strive to make sure we uplift each other. We try to keep together and try to make sure that we do everything as one accord. Excellent. So our next principle of Kwanzaa is Kujishagalia, which is self-determination. Zach, can you tell us about that? Yeah. So Kujishagalia or self-determination means to define ourselves, name ourselves, create for ourselves and speak for ourselves. So it's really about African people really trying to be in congruence with our ancestors, really trying to perpetuate the best aspects of ourselves and create new things in our own image. Wonderful. And Arthur, can you tell us how you apply the self-determination in your work in the arts? Several ways. A few years ago, I wrote a production and in the production, which is a traditional Christmas production, I made a point of changing a part of it to include the idea of Kwanzaa. Kwanzaa is one of those things that allows for a lot of creativity because again, as long as it is African-American or African-based or you know, even of the diaspora, you're pretty good. Everything from poetry I've written to dances I've choreographed. I even choreographed the Canara a couple of times and had my seven candles dancing. Self-determination is something that is very important to me because it's very important that you determine who you are. And if you don't know who you are, it's going to be difficult for anybody else to see who you are. I see it every day in my class. Our students struggle with this idea of self-determination. Who are you? Are you letting somebody else tell you who you are? Are you defining who you are? And so the idea of using that in the arts, when I look up artists, when I'm in my class, if I'm going to use an example, I make sure that I use an artist that is African-American. If the students don't know about them, they can learn about them. But we've had so many wonderful examples of self-determination within our community. 
all of the music, all of the performers, dancers, entertainers, and what have you as it relates from the arts, even the visual artists, were all self-determined. They each had their own styles. They elevated the area of the arts that they were in and continue to do so. We are people who continue to create. That is our thing. We are determined that we are going to create and build this wonderful world that we see in our eyesight that others may not, but eventually they come around to. Everything from music to fashion. You know, my favorite quote is one by George C. Wolfe that he wrote in this play, The Color Museum. And it says, God created Black people and Black people created style. And I just love that. <laughs> That's awesome. I, I love that. I need that quote in my book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they have it on the wall at the African American Museum in DC. Yeah, that's wonderful. Our next principle is Ujima, which is collective work and responsibility. Zach, can you tell us what that's all about? Ujima means to build and maintain our community together and make our brothers and sisters problems our problems, and to solve those problems together. So collective work and responsibility. And Cynthia, can you tell us what that means to you and how you apply it? Sure. Growing up in an era where I watched the movement of civil rights, I watched the struggle of our people through segregation and all those kinds of things. And I felt like I had a responsibility to my people. We are collectively responsible for our failures and our setbacks, as well as our victories and our achievements. And I felt my whole life that my mission was to work towards creating progress for my people. My feeling was without collective work and struggle together, our progress as a people would be impossible. So I had this sort of mission in my mind that I wanted to create world peace. I wanted to create a safe haven for my people because I see the struggle. I saw what it was. And so creating idea allowed me to further that mission of looking at the kinds of issues that our community was dealing with, our children. My role was to open the door to opportunities, to open the door to advocate for resources to be available to our children because I've felt the beauty of our culture and our ability to be resilient people, I felt that my arts organization was a way for my people to really come together collectively and show the world the beauty of our lives. And so for 25 years, I've had the privilege of being able to see that through meeting artists and bringing our children and helping them tap into their creativity and seeing the work behind that. So I would say that collective work and responsibility has allowed me to give back and give my organization the opportunity to give back to the development and the advancement of my community. That's awesome. So we'll move on to our next principle, which is Ujama Cooperative Economics. Can you tell us about Ujama? No problem. Ujama, it says to build and maintain our own stores, shops, and other businesses and to profit from them together. 
Wonderful. And I'll just give a little commentary on that one for my own life when it comes to really incorporating cooperative economics. We're very careful about how we spend our dollars, right? And we do look for opportunities to support African-American-owned businesses. That doesn't mean that we purchase exclusively from, but we do want to ensure that when we are spending our leisure dollars, that we're doing that in places that do also benefit the community as well. Also in a professional sense, it makes me very mindful of when we are choosing vendors and even casting talent, that we're being inclusive and equitable when we do so, because I think that it does a lot for the community overall when we are thinking about, are we looking for vendors that reflect the diversity that we also hope to reflect within our agency community itself. So that's how uh, cooperative economics come to mind for me when I'm thinking about that in my daily walk here. I want to expand that a little bit more because I think so often we think about just things like vending and folks that we support in terms of commercial enterprise and things like that. But when you go to the opening weekend of Black Panther or Wakanda Forever, when you participate in the opening weekend of the Woman King and things like that, you are actively engaging in that principle as well. So I think we can expand that even further. And thank you for that, Arthur. (laughs) All right. So let's look at our next principle, which is NIA, which is purpose. Zach, can you tell us about that? To make our collective vocation the building and developing of our community in order to restore our people to its traditional greatness. It's like knowing the glory of Africa's past nations and empires and understanding what's the difference between now and then and working towards restoring our proper place in history. Wonderful. And Star, how does that apply to you in your work here? As you know, Alicia, I am very passionate about my history, about who I am. Like I said before, I'm Caribbean. But one thing for my foundation, growing up in the Caribbean, we are taught not only Caribbean history, but American history. And as I got older, one of the things I majored in college was African-American history. So I wanted to always know about my purpose of who, where I came from and understand my people. So when I started working here at Can Hall, I really was really excited to join BEN because I like the fact that I want to encourage or have other people or be share my knowledge of what my who, who I am and where I came from. We all saw the events that happened two years ago with the Black Lives Movement, and you have people who feel we had a moment who feel somewhat, you know, empathize with us, but then the empathy was only for a short time, and I want them to understand that. Your empathy is wonderful to have, but I wanted to understand the bigger picture of who we are, what we are. So I love to give knowledge and also showcase and tell people who we are as a people and what we are and what we do. And that's why I was so excited that we're doing this podcast right now to acknowledge part of our culture and what we are doing. Excellent. Next up, we have Kumba, which is creativity. Zach, can you tell us about that principle? Okay, I have written to do always as much as we can in the way that we can in order to leave our community in a more beneficial state than we inherited it. Wow. So I'm going to ask David if you can tell us how you apply creativity in what you do. Oh, sure. 
You know, this principle is very dear to me because both Cynthia and I believe that the creative spirit is extremely powerful, you know, um, and, you know, we use it as a means to help lift the voices of our black and brown people, especially our youth. We help our kids tap that creative spirit to tell their stories in the most authentic way. And when they do, there's power in doing this for the storyteller and for the listener. This helps to change perspectives, which goes an extremely long way in bettering society. So I think creativity is so powerful. One quick example, even for myself as a filmmaker, I'm doing a documentary about Black fathers. And I really believe that this is one of the ways that I can respond to some of the tragedies that have happened over the last couple of years is to change perspectives about how Black fathers are looked. Because if they change perspectives about how they're looked in fatherhood, it seeps into how they're looked in general and in, in other aspects of life. And that change in perspective, I believe, helps to a better society when people can look at Black men in a different, more positive way. You know, I'm a huge believer that the creative spirit exists in all of us. You hear some people, probably even there at McCann Health, maybe a mathematician or an auditor or something, they may not think that they're creative. But if you ask them to put together some sort of a sheet, they have to think about that. They got to tap their own creative spirit to put together a spreadsheet to be able to present to everyone that offers so much resolution, so much help to move McCann further. So this creative spirit, creativity, I think is huge. I'm a firm believer that we all have the spirit. We just have to be willing to dig deep or maybe not so deep, but just tap that spirit and we can really begin change in a much positive direction. For sure. And our last principle is Imani, which is faith. Zach, can you tell us about that principle? Okay. To believe with all our heart in our people, our parents, our teachers, and the righteousness and the victory of our struggle. Wonderful. And Star, do you want to close us out with your take on faith and how you apply it? So growing up, I know most people grew up with going to a Black church, especially during the holiday season. Being more spiritual than religious, I feel that faith is what you make it. I feel that what you believe in and all religious or spiritual beings come from one thing, that they all believe that we are together and we want good karma for everyone. And I feel that as long as we present good faith or just put it out in the universe, we'll get it back in return. And I think that's something that what Kwanzaa is showing about. Wonderful. Thank you for that. So there may be folks out there who have never celebrated or recognized Kwanzaa before. I'm going to ask Cynthia, how would you suggest that they get involved with IDEA during this Kwanzaa holiday season? First of all, if they're in the area, they have to come to our Kwanzaa celebration. It's going to be fantastic. And Arthur is charged with producing it. It's going to be a full day celebration. The day starts with some West African dance movement. I think it's very important for us to always celebrate our visual artists. So I've been speaking with some visual artists in Camden who are going to come share some of their pieces. Eric James Montgomery has just said that he'd be there in attendance. So I'm really happy about that. I'm waiting to hear back from the others. Hold on to your light a little longer. Black memorabilia. I think it's important for us to remember that we sometimes can discard things that we need to hold on to. And sometimes we need to know what to hold on to. So that's a, a moment that I'm looking forward to. We have a section called Sandra Space. Sandra Turner Barnes, may she rest in peace. 
was a poet laureate of New Jersey. And so we honoring her through this space of spoken word where folks will come and share spoken word. We'll have some folks who will tap to be on as well as a little bit of an open mic. But we want to definitely pay respect to her that way and give her a libation. What day and time can folks come out to take part in the celebration? We're going to do this Friday, the 30th of December. We're going to do it that night, which is Purpose, Nia, at the Idea Center. 217 Market Street, downtown Camden. Also, I want to add that one thing that I think sometimes we forget to add into our Kwanzaa celebration mm-hmm. is the future. You know, there's this big movement now about Afrofuturism. And the idea that we as Black people see ourselves in the future. And so I think it's going to be important that we have something around that. We're working that out now in terms of what that's going to be. But that'll lead into our next idea, which is the bright idea, which is our students sharing from the Idea Center the things that they have to share as relates to them performing on stage and what have you like that. So those are some of the things we're going to do as well as discuss Before the new What About 22, we're going to talk about what happened in 22. How do we look as a Black people? What are the historical moments that we should remember in 22? Mm -hmm. And also what we have to look forward to in 23. I was just looking yesterday and I see that 2023 is going to be a big remembrance for Rosewood. A hundred years ago was when Rosewood happened in Florida. So there's going to be a lot of discussion about that next year in 2023. You know, in addition to lighting the Canara and having our caramel feast. So it's going to be a a joyous occasion for all. That sounds great. Thank you so much for that. So we're going to wrap up. And before we do, I believe that there is a creative presentation from Arthur, if you would bless us with that. Yes. Grandma won't be joining us this year for our celebration but we will all shed tears when her name is called in libation. This was her favorite holiday as family came together, drumming the drum we would play till our hands were soft as leather. She always had a great surprise for each and every child, and you could see the love in her eyes that was covered with a smile. One year was a cookie that looked like me she made with her hands, Another year was a family tree made from aluminum cans. My grandma loved to create and couldn't wait to show. And we could all relate. We will miss her so. She'd say, be creative and kind. Through faith, you will succeed. Use your money and your mind with your people. Yes, indeed. When we light the candles of red, black, and green, collectively, we can handle being kings and queens. I will miss my grandma, even though she's out of sight. But grandma is never far. She's here each Kwanzaa night. That was wonderful. Thank you. Really sets the tone for the holiday. So that's all that we have for today. And I want to thank so much Cynthia Primus, David Goodman, Zachary Brooks, and Arthur Taylor for joining us today. And of course, our very own Stahasha Sutton, Star Sutton. If you are interested in getting involved in the Black Employees Network or the BEN, please reach out to Stahasha Sutton as her name appears in your IPG directory. 
And if you're interested in hearing more from Truth Well Spoken, you can subscribe to this podcast on your network of choice and let us know what you'd like to hear in a future episode by emailing podcast at mccannhealth.com. Truth Well Spoken is produced by Dina Ragab, Dina Rao, Jason Brinkowski, Melissa Kaczynski, and Cassidy Cardone. Until next time, I'm Alicia Harris, and this has been Truth Well Spoken.